1: Hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Everything Kratom, the podcast about anything and everything. Kratom. Great to have you with us on this Tuesday morning. Hoping all is well with you out there today. I am extremely excited and honored to have a guest with us today, John Griggs. He was recently featured in an AKA testimonial video former member of law enforcement for over 10 years, and he has a lot of insight when it comes to Kratom. So I am just honored and thoroughly excited to have you all listen to this conversation today, and I hope that you really enjoy it as much as I did. And uh, without further ado, let's just hop on in. So here you are, my conversation with John Griggs. So here we are sitting here with uh, John Greggs, and John, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us and being willing to share a bit about your knowledge and, uh, and your relationship with Kratom.
0: Sure. Thanks for having me on, Jamie. I really appreciate it. been uh, listening to your show for about four or five months now, and you're doing a good job. I really enjoy it.
1: Well, thanks so much for that. That's, that's great to hear and reassuring. And uh, just for um, a little bit of a backdrop, maybe we can ask you to share a bit about yourself and where you're from and you know, what's, your, what's your background?
0: Sure. Um, well, I was um, born and raised in Western Kentucky and um, yeah, grew up here, went to high school here, um, started my career here in law enforcement, started, started working in security when I was 18 and then became a uh, police officer uh, a reserve police officer a week after I turned 21. And then um, a year later, I went to work at a maximum security prison and worked there for five, five years, and then relocated to St. Louis, Missouri, just because it was the closest uh, large metropolitan area, just to gain some better work experience and move up the ladder because that's quite a crazy place. And um you know somewhere like that will either make you or break you. So mm. gave it a shot and um, was pretty successful and um, ended up being assigned as the uh, kind of like the commander of a multi uh, a, a multi-institution gang task force. So that was um, really interesting. And, i kind of went from there um we had a lot of problems there and i went to the media with some of those issues and um you know that's kind of where uh i was kind of really not exposed to big agencies that that don't like a lot of information being shared with the public you know i had a major issue with that so um and it had to do with a lot of overdoses and, uh, and deaths that were happening at the time. Um, so I came back home and um, started an armed security agency. And we had an F-4 tornado come through a town 20 minutes from here. And we were the first ones on the scene to secure a pharmacy that was being looted at the time. And uh, from there on out, we've been doing um, some government some some private private contracting through a government agency out there in um mayfield kentucky with the and that place was just torn up that f4 tornado took the jail out it took out the courthouse it took out all the critical infrastructure in the town i mean it was insane in the first the first thing that happened 30 minutes after the storm we were there because um, a very good friend of mine is a deputy there and he gave me a call to let me know that um Hey, man, this place is destroyed. Do you have any people available? Um, our jail got hit, and we have to move 90 inmates. We got people in a candle factory that are um, that are buried in rubble. We got deputies that are having to go house to house to uh, start locating missing people. Um, can you help? I was like, absolutely, I can help. What What's happening? And he said, well, we got a pharmacy being looted. I said, I, I'm on the way. So I put out a Facebook post and... Um, took a guy with me and some other people that worked for me and uh we went and secured the pharmacy and it was absolutely insane like people were actively looting that place a few minutes after this tornado came and destroyed it like that was the first concern was to go to the pharmacy and rob it so um i took the hard drives out of the computers for the pharmacy they didn't have time to put anything in vaults like this tornado came I mean it was just fast and furious man so they tried to uh they attempted to get this stuff put away but there was not enough time so I took the hard drives off the computers and I uh, held that pharmacy until the next day until a different police department showed up and uh, it was a pretty crazy experience being out there and uh being being pretty much alone and knowing that you're not gonna have any backup at all and you're not gonna know how long that that's going to go on like that so i took the hard drives and turned them over to uh cbs and walgreens so that people um on prescriptions could go and get their medications filled because you know there's people that pay in cash that, that are not on the insurance uh um servers or or data you know wherever they store the data so those hard drives were extremely important for people to you know and stuff like lincinopril and and insulin and metformin and and stuff that's not even controlled that is life-sustaining that um those people were able to go and fill their medications and not have any issues
1: wow well i think it's an understatement to say thank you for your service but it has to be said that is an incredible story and i remember seeing those um uh news reports on the television when that tornado hit uh, specifically the candle factory i know got a lot of coverage um that's just incredible so so you kind of were in the right place at the right time and that's an that was an amazing foresight also transferring those hard drives for the for the pharmacy um, I I have to wonder how does how does your story intersect with the with Kratom how, how do you what's your first encounter with this
0: well it's very interesting um, first encounter with it was probably in around 2016 and um, I had uh, I was in a pretty gnarly um, ATV accident I like to hike and there's places in southern Illinois that are that are um really really um kind of like I wouldn't call it a plateau but pretty raviney and you can get some really good hiking in so I was in a four by four and we wrecked that four by four and I had um six broken bones in my face I broke my nose um my septum was deviated. Um, it was it was pretty bad, and we're we're in the middle of nowhere. So I had been kind of using kratom for about two weeks before that incident. Um, a buddy of mine had told me about it and said this help. This is extremely helpful for pain. Um, you know, it might help your mood. And as soon as I tried it, I was like, wow, man, I, I don't feel depressed or in a fog or anything like that today. So as soon as that wreck happened, I got into my Pack and um, I took six of the large kratom capsules, which would probably be about three grams. And I'll tell you, this is insane. Um, the painkilling properties of this plant are extremely underestimated because I took that and I was able to not go into shock. Now, I'm not giving any medical advice, but I'm just saying, um, I, I didn't go into shock from that, I walked right into the emergency room. And told the nurse, hey, I believe my nose is broken. It feels like a sponge. And I'm a baby. I have a very low threshold for pain unless unless it's kind of like any use of force or something like that. And adrenaline is just really pumping because adrenaline offsets pain a lot. So um, I was shocked to get those x-rays back and find that I had six broken bones in my face. So at that point, I was prescribed some uh, pain medication and had to undergo some surgeries but um, we got that all resolved and it was kind of then that I realized um, like man this is extremely effective for pain and um, you know, I had to use the pain medica- medication but when I came off of that I had absolutely no problem uh, the kratom assisted with that and I noticed that it was I've got post-traumatic stress so I noticed that that, that I was not experiencing a lot of symptoms from that when I would take Kramer more. So I <clears throat> kind of discovered that there might be something to this. And then I kept using it and using it. And I saw my counselor and, you know, she's like, you're kind of a totally different person right now.
1: Mm. Wow. That's incredible. Do you remember what kind of Kratom you were using at the time?
0: Yeah, it was, um, I believe it was called Gaia. It was in uh, it was in plastic jars. Um, and, and at that time, I wasn't buying it a lot. You know, I was buying it just kind of sporadically. Oh, that and the other company was called American Kratom. And it had like a bag and an American flag on it. At that time, and herbal salvation—that was one as
1: well. Wow! So the, the, you're only using it for two weeks when this accident happens, and it's wow—that's a—that's amazing. It kind of took a leap there, trying it out, and it really seems to have paid off. And you—you you said that your um your counselor saw a change in you. Was it just what? What would you define that change as?
0: Um. I was optimistic, you know, I, I stopped, um, fretting about the past and going back in my mind and replaying incidents. Um, I stopped having kind of trauma-based, um, obsessive thoughts. I was not avoiding people or things anymore. And, um, she was blown away by, by the change in, um, in my behavior and attitude, within a couple of months. So, it was um, it was at that point that I um, cessated from pretty much all uh, medications used to uh, to treat me for that.
1: Wow, and. Do you have you given that you're you know so entrenched in the law enforcement community? Have you met other people in law enforcement who use kratom or have experience with it? And also, do you have a, a sense of kind of how you know law enforcement views kratom, or is it a mixed bag? Or is sure, there um, yet.
0: Yeah, Jamie, that's a good question, and I have several people that were former coworkers of mine that they use kratom um mm. in fact it was a law enforcement officer that turned me on to it so oh, it's uh yeah it's not exactly talked about because of the propaganda campaign that is being used um against kratom because law enforcement officers can't use marijuana i mean there's you know qu- quite a few reasons for that um mm-hmm. But they have problems. I know a lot of guys that have been in this job for quite a while and, and they, um, you know, they suffer with things and they're enforcing laws at this point that are pretty outdated. They know this. And some of the guys that I've talked to about this stuff, I know law enforcement that are on, that I've worked with previously that are on um, tactical response teams. I mean, these these are serious, serious guys with serious backgrounds and you know, they use it after working out. Um, they use it in the mornings whenever they go on to kind of use it for the same reason that I have to um, use the mood boosting properties of that and kind of offset the depression that they have because that it's not talked about. But when you're in law enforcement and you know you feel this depression and you feel if you've been exposed to any critical incidents and serious things, you know, you you experience this post-traumatic stress and you're kind of looked down upon for getting that treated and trying to resolve the issues that you have. I'm not saying that that's every agency, but it's been a lot that I've been in with my experience
1: wow it's a it's a world that i don't think most of the public ever gets exposed to so it's really it's pretty amazing insight that we're getting here from you um you know so obviously it seems like kratom has played a real role in your mental health um and i guess physical when it when it comes to pain at least have you you know over the the time span that you have used kratom have you changed how you use it or that the types that you use and for the purpose
0: Um, in the beginning I was just kind of not familiar with um, different colors or anything like that and this is a pretty complex plant so there's quite a bit to learn and um, I started out using just kind of like a like a mangda there wasn't a whole lot of information on kratom back then in 2016 so I was and I was buying it from a, a head shop so um There wasn't a whole lot of information with it. And now what I do is I use a green in the morning and then I'll use a red later in the day, but an unfermented red, kind of like a mid-range speed on red. And um, I have learned so much about it. I own a subreddit with about 2,700 people and the amount of information that comes and goes through that with, with people that are, um kind of subject matter experts in this field vendors that have got that have got this science down I mean as far as blending and strains and everything but yeah, it's usually green in the morning like a, a Malay or um, I'm using green Indo today mixed with a little bit of red Borneo because I' I've, I've kind of got a really good blend. Uh, down. H- how about you? What what is what? What do you like?
1: Well, I definitely. I, I that's an interesting combo you've got there. I definitely have, am a creature of habit, and I've fallen into uh, this. You know, if it's going to be your average day, I might start off with either green tie or green mangda, and then uh, later on in the day, I'll probably around like midday have something like white Indo or white Borneo. Um, once in a while, a white da uh, something like that. And, and th- that's kind of like my average day once in a while. Um, I don't take kratom every day, but I do take it often. And some days I won't need it in the morning, or maybe I'll just need it in the afternoon or maybe neither. But when I get home in the evening, I want to relax and you know I, I don't really like to drink alcohol or do anything else and so i'll relax with a nice red type of kratom something like that red tie for instance so that's kind of like my my average approach to any given day once in a while i'll do some blending together i think that i really like white and green tie together that's my favorite Yeah,
0: that, one. that's it that's an interesting combination there um yeah it seems like you've gotten it down and you've pretty much found out what you like and that's and, then, and that's really good, you know. I, I encourage people to do that if they find something that works, then to uh, then to stick with it. And, and there, sa- same thing hand. with the <laughs> hey little guy. Um, <laughs> same thing with the alcohol. I've um, I've basically eliminated alcohol out of my life um you know i'll have a craft beer i'll have two craft beers if my girlfriend and i go out to a nice restaurant have a nice dinner just because it it goes with it well and i like i like the taste of some of those craft beers like ipas and all that but Mm. really about two times a month and that is a drastic turnaround from where i was at um back in from 2006 to um 16 or 17 with, uh, with alcohol because I was consuming, um, consuming it regularly, not, not like an alcoholic, but, um, you know, I'd have three beers, um, maybe every other night and, um, yeah, I was kind of dependent on that for, um, relaxation and like you said, you know, winding the day down.
1: Yeah, well it's really interesting to hear about all the different ways that people use Kratom and one of the ways that I hear a lot of people use it is not because they have an issue with alcohol but because they simply would like to drink less than they do and that it just kind of makes them not that interested in in having that drink. And that's certainly something I've found at least to be true for me personally.
0: Sure. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody can, if somebody can, can get off of alcohol, which is absolutely destructive to your body, it's destructive to people. Um, I, I mean, this is in people that have an issue with alcohol and, and, and are heavy drinkers. You know, it's destructive to your family and it can be, um, it can be a really, bad thing in certain people's lives and if they can use something to 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 mitigate that use and to get off of that that's amazing
1: yeah totally totally um i'd be fascinated to ask you about you know given that you have this experience in law enforcement um you seem to have some sort of ideas to you know your own view of like what outlawing kratom might mean for the law enforcement industry and for corrections, um, I think you mentioned that in a message to me. So I'd love to hear about that. What, what do you think the impact would be with that?
0: Well, this might be a kind of a long drawn out answer, but it's going to be extremely detailed. Um, sure. I have, I, I, have a, I have a employee of mine, and he was involved. You know, kind of the same background as me. Um, he started in corrections, and we worked at a pretty at a pretty uh, active place that there was a lot of things going on at that time. And when we both started out, so he has developed um, extreme lower back pain. And this also comes from wearing a heavy vest all day and sitting, um, sitting with a heavy vest on and wearing a gun belt with um, just a whole bunch of equipment on it one or sometimes two pairs of handcuffs, um, a firearm, two or three magazines, pepper spray, a baton, a radio, you know, that adds up. And when it's on your body um, all day long, it stresses it. And you kind of start, I actually was reading about this not too long ago, that 63% of law enforcement experience lower back pain and 9% of those that experience it have to end up having surgeries, and they have a whole uh, range of issues. I even know a guy who has linked this to um, oh, the ty- when, when you're ty- carpal tunnel and that was um, he was a range instructor and it's believed that that is how he developed carpal tunnel syndrome but the employee of mine, um, he is in extreme pain all the time. He's probably only five or six years older than I am. So I kind of fear, <laughs> I kind of fear the future on that. And it's, it's, um, it's believed in the law enforcement community that a lot of these laws are outdated. Now, there are agencies that will, especially in draconian areas, that will enforce things like marijuana, that will still take you to jail now In Kentucky, it's not decriminalized, but it is looked at different and fines are handed out. $45 fines for a first offense and then they kind of go from there. And these guys don't like to enforce that because marijuana is legal 20 minutes from me across the river in Illinois. Um, It's legal in a few different states that are pretty close. Um, I've been to Oregon, I've been to California, I've been to Washington state. um, I've been to some of these dispensaries in places that marijuana is completely legal. And some of these cops, you know, whether they admit it or not, they have too. So they do not like to enforce laws like that because it also builds friction. It builds friction with the community. People who are marijuana users are, for the most part, um, not violent, like people on alcohol. Excuse me, they're, they're not abusive. Um, domestic situations, a lot of those instances arise from people using drugs and alcohol, and marijuana is a soft drug. So law enforcement has learned over the last 20 years that as this progresses, um, our laws are outdated and enforcing this creates a huge friction with the community. That is the same as cradle. okay? This part-time employee of mine has told me multiple times, like, man, if this gets outlawed, how do I enforce something like that that I use regularly? So it mm-hmm. becomes, at that point, a moral dilemma and there are a whole lot more cops on this than people realize for the reasons you know I caveated there with your body pain and kind of some of the emotional things that they have gotten that I went so far as to find a corrections impact statement Kentucky back in our last legislative session our legislative session runs from, Jan- it's totally different than Missouri and St. Louis, they're in session all year, which, you know, those are massive metropolitan areas, and we only have two of those here, but um, they're in session for four months, so they'll start committees in January, and they'll they'll end sessions in April, which is kind of a good gig if you're an elected politician, because you get the rest of the year off after that
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: paid. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> They like to hang on to those seats. I, I can see why, you know, but um, they introduced legislation January of 2022 this year to outlaw Kratom in, in the state and make it a Schedule One drug. Well, there's a few issues with that. Number one, Schedule Ones are supposed to not carry any type of medicinal benefit at all. Well, that was challenged by NIDA by the National Institute of Drug Abuse, which is part of the National Institute of Health. So um, I found out about this, about debating it. And I did a testimonial for the American Cranium Association um, not too long ago, but this was before that. So I found out about this and um, I started putting guys together that I knew that um, you know had some fortitude and would say, you know, that this has no business being placed as Schedule One or banning for multiple reasons. Um, so I gathered four guys up, and I called the two um, representatives that were introducing this legislation, and found out when this was going to be heard on the House floor, and we were going to go and speak. For five minutes, each person about how outlawing this would be extremely detrimental. It would be destructive and it would cause a whole lot of issues uh, with law enforcement and enforcing kratom. So one of those things that I ran across in the research was the correction impact statement. They're going to have to give people jail time for this if they make it a schedule one. Um, you know, incarceration. We have this COVID going on, and has been plaguing us for two and a half years. And it's been the practice of correctional institutions to release for, um, you know, early release because of COVID. So you want to release people early. Some of those that are violent for violent felonies, okay, and get those people out of prison early. And then you want to put people in prison for crime. I mean, it is. At, it it That's makes such
1: an interesting backdrop.
0: <laughs> it makes zero sense, and I looked into this. So it would cost ten million dollars a year to, and they looked into this. This is how I got a hold of it from the uh, from from the representative. They released it to the uh, Health and Human Services Committee. It would cost ten million dollars a year to incarcerate Kentuckians. For being in possession of of kratom, and that would stress law enforcement because law enforcement has to go and enforce this. So you're going to, if you're a police officer or a probation and parole officer, and you have to revoke somebody for using kratom, um, they're not going to be happy about that, and I don't blame them. So now you've created a violent situation. Whereas before, no situation existed. Now, you're going to have violent resistance, which which is extremely dangerous for that person and the officer. And then you have another thing that these people, that I hammered them each time I called them on. You have people who are in active recovery and that are using this substance. When you take it away, what do you think is going to happen?
1: Right. Right
0: so I mean, the bill it's
1: just amazing
0: it is it is so and and that was a main concern of mine. you know've I've, I've kind of looked at the numbers throughout the country and there's 15 million people that are um, members of the American Crater Association 15 million. and I would say guess to say take a stab in the dark that there's probably five million more. That aren't registered with them. So probably 20 million people across the nation. It it could be even more than that. You could be at 25 or 30. I'm not sure. But are you willing to take to roll the dice and to take a chance and 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 have someone turn back to uh, dangerous and addicting narcotics and uh, heroin in Kentucky? I will tell you something that is that is shocking. In Kentucky, when the opioid crisis, I say that in air quotes with the opioid crisis, in my belief, it was manufactured. um, You had pain management clinics. There were people that were coming from, they were putting old people onto buses and they were busing them up here. And these doctors were writing them oxycontin prescriptions, oxycodone, uh, roxycodone, all kind of just the absolute worst painkillers that you can get your hands on. Like it was no problem. And these people didn't have to be residents of this state. They didn't have to um, really prove a whole lot. And, and you're giving them the most serious narcotics that are available to mankind. And, and, and then uh, 10 years later, you want to turn around and ban something that is relatively harmless compared to those. It's mind blowing to me and it's shocking. So, Kentucky's an economically depressed state. There are a few areas that do have decent economies, that do have um, programs for residents and things, but for the most part, it's not. You know, you have manufacturing that left. You have coal. You have coal that was a major industry here that is that is basically gone. So when that happens, it affects families. It affects um, children of the parents who lost their jobs, and and it um, it creates so many problems. So that is another reason why the uh, the opioid um, incident had had been fueled especially in economically de- depressed areas if you look at where it was the worst you'll see that it was those same types of uh, same same types of places so i go into the community into the public every single day and i see these people you know i see them and it's a bad situation for everybody because i know that there are people that did not go in to that type of thing thinking that they would be chained to this for so long. And it's kind of disheartening to know that um, these doctors, they knew this all along. So yeah, I brought that up a lot when talking to these representatives and the bill was the bill was actually killed. Now I'm not gonna say that we had any influence doing that. I know the AKA had a whole lot, but um, they did not want us to, they did not want for, uh, former police officers, one current, to go out there on that house floor and put this out.
1: Wow! I mean, it it you brought up so many incredible points there and things I did not know about. I mean, the fact that there's actually an official impact statement that was done that shows ten million dollars per year cost to incarcerate people in Kentucky uh, for kratom use. I mean that that in and of itself is such a specific and and. It's just such a specific issue that I don't think anybody would want raised publicly. But, but I mean, the cost to the public in and of itself—what another another reason not not to ban the substance? But that's just that's insane. And um, also, yeah, the the fact, the backdrop you bring of, of the uh, the movement to release people from prison uh, during the the height of the COVID pandemic. Um, I know that we saw a lot of that up here in my neighbor Vermont over here with the goal of releasing half of all prisoners basically. Uh, that it's, it's incredible to think that at the same time Kratom is illegal and or you know in your case the push to make it illegal and what that would mean. So insane to think about that as well.
0: Um, yeah, it, it undoes everything. It just, it just rolls the clock back and you're putting nonviolent people in a place that's meant for violent offenders
1: right and, and why so with all of that being said so why do you think people and legislators keep trying to ban this
0: I have a good theory on that and I've kind of got a team together and we're looking into it um, I believe excuse me campaign contributions are public. They have to be public. Um, campaign finance reform made all that um, available for us, and violation of campaign finance is prison time. Excuse me. Um, I was drinking some ginger ale. They, um, they take that pretty serious, and rightfully so. so it is my belief that treatment facilities, um, be it methadone, suboxone, or that that shot that they administer to people. um, Treatment facilities are losing many patients and a lot of money with this Kratom that's available. So we've been digging around and we encourage anyone who has the time to research, who feels strongly about this to seek out the representatives that are bringing up these bans, be it local politicians, state reps, United States con—sorry, United States Congressmen, and look at their campaign contributions and see if they accepted any money from a Suboxone treatment facility, because that would motivate them to put this legislation on the table.
1: Wow, that is such a good point. And I'm specifically thinking of the recent push to make kratom illegal in ascension parish louisiana which they did succeed in that and they had two days of testimonies or three days and everybody minus two people and i did count and it was everybody minus two people who testified against kratom all worked for or had a relationship to the life house wellness clinic in ascension parish so that's just fascinating that's fascinating oh my god it's such an obvious thing you know like it i would it's such an obvious connection to make but until someone says it out loud i don't know right. I, I wouldn't have thought of it myself honestly
0: wow right and the thing with that is i i know a guy who um reached out to me through that reddit group and you know he uh, he said hey man i'm in the uh the parish down here um you know we call them counties the, the next county over and They're going to lobby to make this illegal here, and um, someone who's close to me is related to an owner of one of these facilities, and they're pushing it forward. So I know that that is happening, and like you just said, Jamie, like you just said, um, the people that testified against this were directly involved with these treatment facilities. So. Um, If we are going to keep this legal, that has got to be highlighted. That has got to be highlighted. You know, the Suboxone does good things for people, okay? I'm not going to sit here and say that someone who's hopelessly addicted to uh, serious narcotics, uh, that it doesn't benefit. Sure, okay? There are people that it will. However, you have this. That you do not withdraw nearly as bad as you would from something like that Suboxone. So you're taking something and you're giving it to people again, knowingly that they're going to be chained to this and they're going to have to cycle down and do all these things. But what if something happens when they're cycling down? What if something that's out of their control goes on and they're cut off from this medication? Well, do we expect those people to uh, to hopelessly suffer? No, we don't. What's acceptable is, is for those people to, if they're open to it, to use Kratom to help them with that. And that's what we're seeing.
1: Mm. Well, I, I mean, just from the personal side of things, my brother certainly experienced this a million times over. As he battled addiction for 10 years, he would go through these programs and given suboxone or methadone or that shot like you mentioned and then you know he'd missed the bus one day because he was placed in a halfway house in a city that he's not you know he doesn't he's not familiar with but he misses his bus and he doesn't make it to his appointment and as, and as a result of that he doesn't you know he's not given his dose of suboxone that whole week and so then he starts withdrawing and you know the what ends up happening is he's either gonna go and try and get suboxone illegally off the street which he did try and do and if he can't do that, then he ends up falling back in the addiction. And, and I saw that happen so many times, I can't even count. So all that in saying, I think your point's very valid. Um, you know, with all this being taken into account, what do you think the future of Kratom looks like? And, and what would you like to see? It kind of passes off your point of, of having Kratom be an accepted part of this withdrawn recovery aspect but uh, what do you think the future looks like and what would you like to see
0: well i think the future looks pretty turbulent, um and you know i don't say that lightly um what i'd like to see is people become more educated on it and to learn more because there are negatives with this sure there are negatives but i it's my belief that the positives completely outweigh the negatives. I'd like to see more research done into the medical aspect of this, which is going on. Um, I know somebody who works for NIDA, and they are involved with this research and doing some amazing groundbreaking work. And you know, I've told them, look, um, you are a subject matter expert. I want to see your opinion when it's done with this research, be it positive, negative, all aspects of it. I want to see all of that. Um, I'd love to see that in public view because I believe that it's going to show that this is not harmful and it is beneficial, but there are a few, excuse me, uh, negative side effects to it. And that's common with anything that can be common with aspirin and ibuprofen and um, you know, any anything that you're putting into your body. Coffee, people can overdose on coffee. Um, I'd like to see that moving forward. Um, I'd like to see kind of media, you know, pick this up and make it well known because there are people that, like my parents, like mom and dad didn't know what this was. They didn't have a clue. You know, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. of boomers that have no idea what this is. And I'll tell you, there there, there are people that I know that are older, that are in their mid 60s, um, kind of pushing 70, that have, that have worked a lifetime Um, in heavy industry and their bodies are not in great shape and they're in a lot of serious pain and um You know, if they had this as an alternative, I believe that, that, you know, they would choose this. So instead of surgeries that, you know, I know people that have had surgeries that that made them worse after the surgery, and that's what I'm worried about going into the future. Um, I would also like to see people to become more involved and to spread the positive aspects of Kratom. Um, Nothing at all should be mixed with a controlled substance ever, ever, and. You know, that can be a dark shadow in in this community, you know, people um, saying that, that they do that. Um, I don't want to see any more of that at all. And I, I have two rules. Basically, I love freedom. You know, I'm an original intent guy with the Constitution of this country. Um, I do not tolerate any type of illicit drug um, conversation whatsoever. I do not tolerate people talking about mixing Kratom with controlled substances. Um, You're doing something really dangerous. And if someone's in my groups, then they're banned. There's no discussion. It's immediately done. Um, I want to see people focus on positive. And uh, I want to see just a basic understanding from the general public because we're in a propaganda war this country operates off propaganda and it's extremely dangerous look what happened you know not to get all political but look what happened in iraq okay that was pure knowing propaganda and the government has no problem lying to us and deceiving us they have programs that were implemented and made by intelligence agencies with with uh, major media to uh, to to promote prop we're the most heavily propagandized people in the world and it's because we have a free spirit and we think for ourselves But when you put ideas in people's head and you constantly bombard them with misinformation, half stories, half truths and false narratives, um, people believe it because they don't have the time to seek that information out on their own and to um, self-debunk it. Or, you know, they don't care and they see that they go with the first thing that they that they hear about. I see it a lot. People are saying, well, Kratom is just as addicted as addicting as morphine. Well, you know what? I've got a paper from NIDA that, that completely from an expert, a subject matter expert in this field who gets paid to do this and who has an unbiased opinion that says, no, it's not. It has a low threshold for abuse. It has low abuse potential and i see that all the time and it's false and i want those type of things to be stopped i want fair reporting on this i don't want biased um biased agencies getting paid to promote something that's not true and um i'm active with the aka i did a video testimonial with them um which was a, was a great experience. Um, it was really well produced and those people were really great to me. Um, I would like to see more people get involved and advocate for this. And also what I see coming in the future is You're going to have to get on board with self-regulation, okay? Mm -hmm. That's something that is going to have to happen. And vendors should start moving into that themselves now. Um, Testing their products. I just dealt with something um, with somebody. I'm not going to get into it a whole lot, but um, there was worries about adulteration. So I sent this person a test kit self-regulation should be if you're a vendor your number one priority right now because if you do not self-regulate we're going to have the government that are going to step in and they're going to ban it if they don't ban it they're going to force regulation on you anyways you know are you prepared for that are you offsetting the cost for all of those things i hope so and you better be um i believe that people can take there's a lot of people in the um kind of the are you familiar with the small batch community
1: i am not no
0: okay uh small batches where you have uh vendors that order direct from indonesia and it's smaller batches it's maybe 50 kilos of kratom um at a time of a certain strain and there's a lot of vendors that a lot of these strains are blends they don't they don't call them blends but that's what they are Um, They blend them on their own. So, small batch is, and and it's a lot better than any of these super big national companies. Um, It's better quality, it's better taste, um, it's better effects. You don't have to consume nearly as much. It's better for everybody because this stuff isn't sitting in connexes uh, and shipyards being hot for six months at a time, you know, for three or four months and, and degrading the alkaloids in that plant. So it's, it's fresh, it gets here. And after they get their lab results, they they start selling them. So uh, that's kind of a just a real brief um, description of what small, small batch is. And small batch opposes um, these regulation pushes and i get it you're a small business you're a smaller vendor and i support you i love you um, but you need to make plans for the future you, you really need to get ready to do that and there's a lot of opposition in the small batch community to the american kratom association and kind of the uh, safe kratom acts they're pushing which look this is going to keep this legal for everybody all right make the appropriate changes that you need the guidelines that they have brought up so be it you're a member or not okay that's irrelevant take their model and start using it because eventually you are going to be forced to do it anyways or if you're not forced to you're done so I really don't understand the opposition there. And I think it's kind of uh, cognitive dissonance. It's people that don't want to accept what the future is moving forward, because this is a totally different world than it was three years ago. The FDA and the DEA instituted an emergency ban on Kratom for Salmonella. Um, 17 people were poisoned with Salmonella. And this is very common with lettuce. You know, we see lettuce and, and leafy vegetables that, that have salmonella warnings and um, recalls all the time. So 17 people being affected by Kratom in the long run is not that serious of a deal. However, the FDA was, was very close to instituting a um, emergency ban on this. And if they went emergency, they would hold that emergency off. They would extend it and prolong it until they instituted, and because that was the plan, until they instituted a outright full-on ban. So I worry about that. If you take the steps and you touch test your patches and you make that public, you know there's a lot of people, that, a lot of Kratom vendors that use white labeling services. It's large vendors who order the Kratom and um, they brand it for you. okay? I get it. Nothing wrong with that. Make sure the labs are out there. Make sure the labs are transparent. People can read them. Make sure that the salmonella tests negative. Make sure that, that is um that, that is that it's okay for your consumers. Basically, if you would put it in your body, you better make sure that people that you're selling it to are gonna be able to safely put it in theirs. So i worry about that because i mean this is hanging on by a thread right now and if someone's adulterating or they poison people or anything like that kiss this goodbye it is gone wow i
1: well i have to say you have an extremely valuable and grounded view on this issue and on kratom in general um i've always thought that it was fascinating that you know, it's seemingly at least uh, the most vocalized majority of people who are in favor of Kratom tend to be pushing for some sort of Kratom Consumer Protection Act framework. And and it's it's always been interesting for me to see that, that the proponents of Kratom are for regulation of that product, which they want to continue to access. But it's for that very reason that they want to continue to be able to access it. And it seems to be that safe regulation is the way forward. So this whole small batch thing is really interesting to me it's definitely something i didn't know about before and um kind of the reason why i started this show is just so that i could learn more about this because it seemed more complex than what met the eye and it certainly has been that way so um god i, I wish i had another hour to talk to you right now sure. I, I hope that i <laughs> can get you to come back again john and oh, thank for you sure. so so much for yeah for taking the time
0: uh, i was um If you don't mind, you know, I've got some some coupon codes for for some of your listeners if if you don't care about putting those out.
1: No, go for it. Sure. Thanks for coming on. Shoot, go for it.
0: (laughs) Sure. Um, There's a company, really great, um, Delta Extracts, and a code JG25 will get you 25% off um, your first order with them. The guy is a great guy, Uh, freedom loving American, really good products. Uh, Northeast Botanicals, they're another good one. be Witch Botanical. I'm kind of helping her uh, move into this self-regulation and that type of thing. She's another good one. Um, we got Philly. We've got a whole lot of people that are uh, small businesses that, um, you know, they want to help you source and find some fr- fresh products and fresh things that are safe for you to consume so you know i highly encourage people to look more into that as well and support these people so that they can become aka members and that they can self-regulate and keep this alive for everyone because you got a whole lot of vendors out there a whole lot and i love them i love them all but um yeah we really need to move forward and we need to do it before it's forced so I appreciate you, man. I really appreciate the conversation and talking with you. Um, you're a well-rounded guy and you got a great head on your shoulders and a bright future. And I appreciate you giving people the opportunity to, you know, voice their opinions and 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 their knowledge on this thing moving forward because it's people's voices that we want to hear, not paid activists
1: right well i'm glad i appreciate your recognition of that and that's that is definitely part of the goal here i'd as everyone knows who listens this is not like a paid program through anyone it's just it's simply to have a kratom community to have a daily check-in and to see what the heck is going on out there and what the heck people think about it (laughs) that would be the sum up so um go check out those uh those sites and uh and check out those coupons that john just mentioned through his friends there and um thanks so much for coming on john we have to do this again
0: sure yeah anytime jamie you just hit me up and we'll make time and it was good talking to you, my friend.
1: Yeah, you as well. All right, and take care.
0: You. See you, buddy.
1: Bye.